Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis podcast. My name is Matt Newts, and with me today is Josh Adkins, writer for Dynasty Nerds. Hey, good to be here. How's everybody doing today? Uh, this is our debut podcast. Debut. We're, we're very excited to get this thing going. Um, we've both been lifelong football fans, fantasy football fans. Um, I've been playing fantasy football since I was in sixth grade. Uh, I think 2002 was my first league. My computer still made that noise whenever it started, that uh, the AOL dial-up sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the good old days. Uh, doing your box scores in the newspaper, right, tallying yeah. up stats. So we've been around for a long time. Um, been playing leagues forever. We're pre- both pretty diehard fantasy guys playing dynasty leagues and that's kind of the the goal for this podcast is to be dynasty heavy to inform you and hopefully uh help you in your dynasty leagues um but a lot of this information will be pertinent to your just standard redraft leagues and we'll clarify if we kind of stray from dynasty but ideally um our goal is to help you win your dynasty leagues uh, real quick, we'll just give you a quick outline for what we're planning for the season. Um, this week, we're just going to do one episode. Same thing next week. Uh, we're looking at maybe a hot take season preview episode right before uh, Houston and uh, Kansas City. Um, and then as we get into the season, uh, Monday or Tuesday we'll record and it'll be released middle of the week. Um, and that will be a film review, film heavy podcast. And then... Again, we will give you something on Fridays uh, to close your week with uh, previewing the action for the upcoming weeks, what we're going to be watching, um, maybe kind of talking about uh, some some redraft strategy in those episodes as well. Um, one thing that I think is important to us is, is watching film and, and not just looking at box scores and giving you guys that. I think that's out there for you. Um, we want to give you some film takeaways that we have. And I want to say from the top, neither of us are film experts or, you know, football gurus, but putting your eyes on the player and just giving it, giving yourself an idea of what they can do is very important. Um, and we want to be clear about what we're watching. So when you're listening to us, we'll, we'll try to be clear about all 22 versus condensed film versus maybe watching something on TV. Yeah, and uh, both of us happen to be Minnesota Vikings fans. Cool. So uh, if we're breaking down a Vikings game, odds are um, we're, we TV. watched it on TV. Right. Um, I mean, there may be some games that we'll want to watch back on the All-22. Um, but ideally, we're going to want to try and get our eyes on as many games as possible for you. In, in a normal year, actually, you'd be getting uh, my, my takeaways from an actual seat at U.S. Bank. True. But unfortunately, with... Uh, with uh, the nature of 2020, that's not happening. So, and I'm sure you all came here for extensive COVID talk. So I think uh, <laughs> we will skip that today. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we're very excited to be here. Looking forward to growing um, with you and hopefully becoming better film analysts and fantasy football analysts. Um, we're very much open to feedback, suggestions. Um, we want this to be a listener-friendly show. If you have questions, please write us uh, on our Twitter handles. Uh, I'm at Nasty Newts, N-A-S-T-Y-N-E-U-T-Z. And Josh, what's your handle? Well, for right now, I'm managing the Dynasty Oasis account. Eventually, I'll get my own profile. I'm fairly new to Twitter, but uh, at Dynasty Oasis is where you can find me for right now. And all my work uh, uh, 
uh, is up on Dynasty Nerds. This time of year, we would normally be enjoying the State Fair. Um, so kind of just uh, an icebreaker kind of deal we wanted to, before we break down the film, is break down our favorite <laughs> State Fair food. And for me, it's probably not my favorite food, but it's the one thing I always have to get is the gator on a stick. Gator on a stick. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little out there, but I feel like a real man when I'm eating an alligator. <laughs> that I think that I think we can all agree on. Uh, yeah, I guess this wouldn't be my favorite food either. But the thing I can't walk away from the, the state fair without is uh, the sweet Martha's cookies, even though it's like a six hour line every year. Classic. <laughs> um, they're just they're unbelievable, especially in the hot in the hot sun. They're they're just melting your mouth. So, uh, uh, without further ado, let's move on to uh, some news of the I guess the day or the week. Um, I think the one that's got uh, all of uh, Twitter and and fantasy football going crazy is is uh, Leonard Fournette getting released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, clearing waivers, surprisingly. Yeah, very much a lot of surprises happening here. Um, you could have read the tea leaves throughout the last couple of years and maybe seen this coming. Um, didn't seem to me the most popular guy in that locker room. And some reports coming out after his release that his teammates basically wanted him gone. So how does he fit in with this, you know, kind of makeshift all-star team in Tampa Bay in an already crowded backfield? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess I'm not sure how he's going to fit. And it, I did hear the same reports coming out of Jacksonville that he was just a headache to have around. Um, I'm not going to speculate on that, but I guess oh, what man. I will say uh, is I, I think he's vastly overrated by the fantasy football community. Yeah, um, I tend to agree. And while I'm not, you know, Rojo's biggest supporter either, um, <laughs> and there's certainly a few of you out there, so, uh, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I, I don't even know if he's better than Rojo. So as, as much as it's a splashy name in a new, very splashy location, um, yeah, and I think a lot of people saw him land there and thought this muddy kind of mess of a backfield got some clarity. But in my opinion, if if anything, it just became more of muddier, a, more of an avoid for me. Like I don't want anything to do with any of those guys for this year. Um, you could maybe look at things a little differently when you're talking long term dynasty values. I'd still probably have Rojo as the number one play there. Same. Um, I mean, maybe Fournette, I, I just haven't really seen it since LSU. I mean. Well, what were your thoughts about Vaughn? Not to get off Lenny too quick, but no, uh, were you a Vaughn guy coming into I, this whole process? I liked him just fine, but I didn't love him. Didn't think he was anything special. Thought if the opportunity was there, he could, you know, produce some RB2 flex yeah. type play. but. He's not really a guy that I'm that interested in in a long-term play. I think he's a name that we're going to forget pretty quickly. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Uh, the news of today is that camp superstar Damian Harris had to have surgery on a pinky finger. Um, not sure on which hand yet, but uh, it sounds like he's in danger of missing week one. So 
Sony, Sony Michelle truthers, uh, feel free to come out of the woodwork again. Yeah, I don't think there can be too many of you left, but if you're <laughs> out there, uh, hopefully we can help you out and steer you away from that kind of nonsense. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I was, I guess I was really excited to see Damian Harris this year and, and, you know, we still will, I think, I don't think a pinky injury is sidelining him, but, uh, a big appeal was that he was going to have first crack at it. And I think, you know, I think deservedly. So, I mean, Sony Michelle, to me, I've just never seen anything that was above ordinary. Um, I, I, I like Damian Harris. I thought there was a lot of opportunity there and I still think there is maybe it'll help you get them a round or two later now if you're still drafting yeah that's true so i think uh that in a a weird way could be good news for you if you still have your draft ahead of you um and they you also kind of dodged the fournette bullet if you're a damian harris owner already because there was a, a lot of rumors of him maybe ending up in new england so absolutely um, the last little bit of news I wanted to w- go over was uh, Zach Ertz and uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, NFL Network report tonight that uh, contract negotiations have stalled, um, which was a, a big deal a couple weeks ago when it was reported that they were close for Goddard owners. Um, for those of you who haven't read my work yet, um, I'm a pretty big, uh, pretty big fan of Dallas Goddard and. Uh, you know, while I also have come to grow to appreciate uh, Zach Ertz as well, I think we're all kind of hoping that at some point, even Ertz owners, I think at some point are hoping that the two can separate and oh, just monopolize absolutely. the position by themselves. Yeah, I think that a lot of people in these dynasty leagues have been grabbing shares of God Ertz and even Ertz just hoping that a year or two down the road that they're investment doubles the stock splits so to speak right and uh maybe this could actually be good news if you own zach Ertz. oh thank you i want to give a big thank you to uh dynasty nerds uh for you know taking something that i wrote uh which you know i haven't been writing very long not really since college um and you know the good people there dennis my editor um, did an excellent job and, and I'm really happy with the way it turned out. So I want to give a big thank you to the people over there. Um, I also want to reach out and give a, a big thank you to Matt Harmon. Um, for those of you who have read the article, for those of you who haven't, um, Matt Harmon's well known for wide receiver reception perception. Um, and, and, you know, for a long time, I've been wondering, you know, why doesn't, why doesn't Matt just do a couple more? Uh, give us some tight ends, give us some running backs. Um, and then I watched 20, uh, tight ends for eight games each. And I recognized very quickly why Matt doesn't do more than the 50, you know, NFL names he does every year. Plus the 10, uh, rookies that he does. Uh, it's, it's a, a huge amount of work. Um, and I reached out to Matt via email and he was, he was so gracious to get back to me. Um, and just, you know, I, I essentially asked him for, for, you know, the right to use the process and um he reached out and said yeah absolutely go ahead and um i just got to give a big thank you to him um real quick i wanted to go through a couple of the players that the article uh really liked uh for those of you who have been following matt's work uh he was sort of known for for picking out alan robinson before um, a lot of the community was aware of him Um, and i just wanted to highlight a couple of those guys 
And uh, segue alert, uh, one of them is Dallas Goddard. Um, Goddard was one of my favorite players to watch throughout this entire process. And, and really the, the, the Eagles tight ends in general um, were incredibly fun to watch on tape. Um, a big theme within my, my tight end study was, you know, the, the defenses around the NFL are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, faster and faster and faster. And so that the mismatch dynamic that we were used to uh, when Jimmy Graham and Kellen Winslow and Antonio Gates were in the league and, and just flat out outrunning these 250 pound bulky run stopping linebackers. That doesn't exist anymore. We've got Isaiah Simmons and Devin right. Bush, Devin White, all of these super athletic, uh, versatile coverage linebackers. Um, and so the way tight ends are getting open seems to have really shifted. Um, and what I mean by that is they need to win with their size these days more so than ever. Um, and, you know, I don't want to pretend like Dallas isn't a great uh you know, athlete in his own right. But what Dallas Goddard brings to the table that was so interesting is his recognition of the fact that he is just bigger and stronger than anybody he comes into contact with. And I think that's such an underrated thing in sports in general is people, instead of focusing on the thing that they know they do well, they spend so much time trying to improve on, on a weakness. But Sometimes you just got to go out there and throw your fastball. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, I mean, he was just, he just would run people over. Um, he was just, if so, if there was an Allen Robinson from the, my, you know, first iteration of this, uh, it is Dallas Goddard. And uh, so that's why the news was very pertinent today about Zach Ertz. And uh, I just wanted to highlight that uh, just to kind of go through some numbers real quick. Um, Goddard was open against man coverage at an above average rate on five out of the nine possible routes. Uh, three of the routes, he was at an average rate, uh, which meant he did not score below average against man coverage uh, in, in any sort of uh, route combination. Um, was incredibly physical after the, ball, after the catch. Um, unfortunately fumbled a few times last year because of this, uh, you know, just wanting to just plow over people. Um, but I just wanted to highlight him. Um, the, the articles are complete with, uh, some, some really neat graphics for you to check out. Obviously this is at, uh, dynasty nerds. You can find it in the archives. It's just listed under dynasty. All right, and we're back, and uh, we're into the body of the show here, kind of what we've uh, got prepared for tonight. Um, the idea was we were going to watch uh, a couple of our favorite players uh, on Game Pass. Um, there's a function that allows you to just watch all of their snaps, and so we picked three of our you know favorite players or three players that uh, interested us um, and watched the last eight games of their season. Um, from, uh, well, I watched them from all 22. It sounds like Newt's, you kind of flipped back and forth a, a little bit between the two. Yeah. Um, maybe it's old habits die hard kind of thing, but on occasion, just the silent film, um, <laughs> became a little too distracting. So I was 
getting my Joe Buck in from time to time, <laughs> but I definitely tried to watch as much, you know, coaches film as possible. Uh, full disclosure, I'm pretty new to film study. I mean, I've obviously been watching football for many years on TV, but trying to think about it from more of a coach's perspective, if you will, as an analyst more. Um, film study, pretty new to it, so bear with me as I kind of learn the ropes. And But I do feel like I got a pretty strong football knowledge, so I think it's something that will pick up rather quickly, hopefully. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, full disclosure here, I was the same way other than this tight end study. So this tight end study was really my first exposure watching film from all 22. You know, I had game pass the year before, and I watched – five, six games in my free time, but but nothing this extensive. So, um, you know, bear with us. I think we're going to get better, and I think it's going to be be helpful as we grow uh, and, you know, ask you guys to grow. Um, I think that'll, you know, work, work well. So um, before I lead us into our first name, um, I just wanted to point out that uh, the third edition of uh, Physical Graffiti on Dynasty Nerds will come out this weekend. Um, so make sure you check it out there. And one of the uh, players, well, actually, uh, the headline player of that article is uh, Noah Fant. And uh, we thought it'd be interesting to get uh, a little bit of discussion in on him first. So, Newts, you watched eight games, uh, the last eight games of Noah Fant. Uh, yeah, what did right. you see? Well, uh, pretty big coincidence, actually, that uh – he was one of the guys I picked. Uh, it wasn't uh, planned this way, but um, I have a lot of shares of Noah Fant, so he was one of the guys that kind of interested me coming into this year. Um, if you look back just kind of on a broad meta scale of his rookie year, you'd see uh, three different starting quarterbacks um, and you know, went from Joe Flacco to Kyle Allen to eventually settling in with Drew Locke. So, you know, definitely kind of a rocky start to his career and just getting, you know, the feel down with one guy. So I think, you know, you see a lot of upside in this guy because he did. Um, I really saw a pretty good connection with Drew Locke, not really right out of the gate, um, because if you remember, Drew Locke was injured for I think probably the first eight weeks. First of the eight season. weeks or so, yeah. So they had barely practiced together at all, um, and they kind of, you know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire statistically. But I saw a lot of really uh, positive things with their connection. Um, I had to suffer through a fair amount of Kyle Allen starts. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend watching too much Kyle Allen tape. <laughs> But, you know, God rest his soul. I mean, I guess he's not dead, but that's fine. He's probably dead to the fantasy football He's dead world. to the fantasy world, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, just to get more onto Noah Fant, I thought one thing that really interested me, taking more of a deeper dive, is um, I'm sure this is something you'll see in Josh's article, um, is I saw him just all over the field. It, when Because uh, with Game Pass, you know, you can basically cut out the fat. So I'm going from one Noah's – fan target to the next and mm -hmm. almost every single time he's starting from a different spot on the field. So I think you're seeing some real creative play calling um, a guy that the coordinator knows is a problem and is going to try and create mismatches all over the field. So, and, and if you don't mind, I just wanted to interject real quick. They did move him all over the place. Um, but I think it's important to point out um, that, it, you know, when you compare him to a guy like Mike Gusecki, who they also moved sure. all over the place, I think one thing that stood out to me with Noah Fant is 
the amount of times he could actually put his hand on the ground in a three-point stance and get out or go block somebody. Um, whereas I, I feel like, you know, he is a hybrid wide receiver tight end. Oh, for sure. But I think he is closer to the Y side of things than I think maybe his athletic profile or, um, you know, just physical ability would would make you think. And, you know, I mean, to step on no, you there. Don't, don't be afraid to argue with me or cut me off and tell me I'm wrong because I'm sure I am at times. Uh, no, no, you're, you're on the right no, path. I, I thought he was a really good route runner. Um, was pretty impressed by his routes. Um, I thought it was crisp, um, good run after catch. Yeah. I thought he made a lot of people miss once he had the ball in his hands. There were some drop issues, mm-hmm. but that I feel like he mostly kind of took care of later in the year. A lot of that came with Flacco. Um, granted, I didn't watch much of his film with Flacco, but I do remember watching a fair amount of that team early in the year last year and being disappointed by the drops. Yeah, but, it, two or three in the first, I want to say, month of the season yeah, so with Flacco. Where it's, it's definitely something to have some level of concern about, especially now that there's more targets to go around in that offense. They added Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, mm-hmm. another 10 end, uh, Albert O. Lockwood Boonham. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a few <laughs> years to get that one down. But uh, definitely a very, very intriguing offense. A uh, team I'm going to want to watch a lot this year. Um, got big shares of Fant and Judy, so I'm going to be watching a lot of the Broncos. And I thought Fant uh, definitely justified my early takes on him yeah. from last year when I was drafting him. I'm very excited to be going forward with him on my dynasty teams. Um, what pick did you take him at last year? Uh, in our dynasty league, I took him at the 12th pick okay. at the yeah. end of the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yep. Kind of a weak rookie class last year at the time. Um, definitely some gems that maybe – were unexpected, but well, considering TJ Hawkinson went 101, I yeah, think that was <laughs> that was a surprise by hopefully future guest to the show, Danny Higgins, Danny Higgins yeah. the guy you will meet absolutely at some point. Yeah. And on that note, uh, you spent a fair amount of time looking at Cortland Sutton this week, also in that Denver Broncos offense. So we both got to enjoy some mile high action. So why don't you take it away with Cortland Sutton? Yeah, uh, Cortland's one of my has been one of my favorite players since uh, he was at SMU. Um, great uniforms, great, fantastic uniforms. <laughs> um, and uh, I have a fair amount of ownership in him too. Again, these are our favorite players. We, uh, you know, we could have gone a little further down the trough if we wanted to, but uh, Cortland's one of my favorite players, and I wanted to get a look at him. Um, so, just real quick, I got some some positives on him and some negatives. Um, he's got a fantastic release off of the line of scrimmage. Um, he can both use his his big long arms and 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 frame to separate that way. He also has an excellent um, outside release uh, when he's going towards the slant route where he releases up the sideline, makes the the corner think he's going deep and then undercuts them after they've turned their hips. Um, He did it in week nine against Cleveland. Um, Unfortunately, I I saw in person him do it against Trey Wayans uh, at U.S. Bank last season, week 11. Um, and, uh, same thing against Darius Slay in week 16, uh, actually this time on a nine route, didn't run the slant. Um, but just immediately off the line is able to separate, give a hard jab inside and go up the field. Um, another great, I mean, another amazing thing I think that everybody who's watched any amount of Cortland Sutton will know is, is the acrobatic catches. 
Um, he has an absolute my ball mentality um, and tracks the ball exceptionally well over the shoulder. Um, he can out jump most people. So that's an advantage he has. But I think one skill that I noticed from him um, is what receiver coaches or the NFL would call, I think, late hands, essentially where the D backs running with you, he can't have his ball, you know, his head turned around to the ball. So in order, you know, so in order to time his SWAT, he just basically waits for the receiver to put up his hands. Sure. So if, if, if you give that away too soon, you make it easy on the defender. Cortland waits until the ball is almost right on him before he goes up with his hands. And then the last thing I would say um, is, you know, uh, again, in my in my tight end article, um, a big thing I noticed was using physicality, using punch and swim moves and rip moves to get open as being a big reason as, as how these tight ends do it. Cortland has some of that to him where he can run down the field, stem right at a defender. And as he's going for his break, give one hard punch and kind of just put a guy on marbles for a second. Right. Um, and you know, he's not the fastest cutter in and out of breaks, but if he can just use a little bit of physicality at the top of his route, um, just to get a guy off balance momentarily, um, he's big enough at that point where he sort of blocks out the sun. And if he gets a step on you, you're, you're done. Um, some of the negatives I saw, um, you know, and this was made, there was a lot made of this last off season. And after an 1100 yard campaign, um, it seems like it's sort of died down. But one thing you heard from, from um, a few of the wide receiver, you know, guys out there was that he clasps at the ball and doesn't always catch with his hands. Um, and while I do feel like I saw a little improvement in that area, there was still plenty of passes over the middle where he was just letting the ball into his numbers. And there was two or three drops over the middle where he went to use his hands and just completely, you know, flubbed the catch. Um, so he kind of clasps at the ball. Um, but his nature is as a downfield receiver anyways. I don't think it's a huge hindrance to his long-term prospects, but sure. for him to be a wide receiver one, which I think is the hope of dynasty owners, um, he's going to have to improve in his consistency with his hands. Well, it definitely feels like a teachable thing, you know, a coachable thing, yes. something that's you can actually improve on with practice, whereas some skills you just have or you don't. Right. You can't teach speed. You can't teach size, oh, sure. but you can teach a guy how to get his fingers into All the cliches, diamonds. All cliches, but it's right. also worth noting when you're evaluating a player that some negatives can be fixed and some probably can't. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is I didn't see a ton of um, route running savvy where he's not, you know, selling, you know, a post before he runs it out. He's not selling it out before he runs a go or a post. Um, and, you know, just sort of a, a really nitpicky thing that I saw. Um, and I guess I don't even know necessarily enough about it to really say if it was an issue or if it was just sort of something that was an anomaly. But a couple times at the line of scrimmage, he would flip which foot was in front of him, you know, what, which foot was aligned in front and back. And he would switch it two or three times, almost like he couldn't quite remember sure. what the route called for. Gotcha. Um, and so I guess what I saw, or, or I guess my takeaway from seeing that was you might still have a young player who's thinking out there, who's not right. even playing quite as fast as yeah. he could be. And they say the game slows down eventually. So right. maybe they're still in that process and there's bigger things to come. 
Absolutely. Um, so that was uh, Cortland Sutton uh, moving south a little bit. Uh, Newts, you took a look at Kyler Murray, everybody's uh, next Lamar Jackson. Well, that was actually really my thought process behind why I picked him when you asked me to come up with three players mm-hmm. to watch. Um, originally, I mean, I don't really actually have actually any shares of Kyler Murray no, to neither. this point. Um, so it's not like the guy that I was drooling over, but I kind of wanted to – because a lot of people were extremely high on him this year, and I think, you know, justifiably so, but I think it's also because a lot of people are looking for that next Patrick Mahomes right. or Lamar Jackson trying to be a year ahead. Just because we've seen Just it two years in a row doesn't bang, necessarily – right. So I wanted to kind of take a, a bit of a deeper dive on him and see if I think that we're going to go three years in a row with a huge young breakout performance. And, I mean – the sky is definitely the limit on this kid. I've seen a ton of positives, and there were some real negatives, though, that concerned me. Um, I know his biggest knock coming into the league was his size, and there yep. were times where you saw that kind of work against him. And like we just talked about, some things he can teach, some things he can't. <laughs> I don't think he can teach inches. No. He's not going to be 6'3". But, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson has also proven that it's not – you know, it's not going to kill you if you got talent and he's got talent. They're going to figure out, you know, the best ways to put him in a winning situation. I guess to give you my answer before I even go through the process, do I think he's going to be that this year, that Lamar Jackson uh, slash Patrick Mahomes league winner? If I had to wager on it, I would say no, but I also do think he's going to probably finish as a top five fantasy quarterback yeah i mean Um, if you got wheels usually you're gonna finish high and he got a very nice uh birthday christmas i'm not sure what time of the year this trade actually (laughs) happened but a a very big present in deandre hopkins from the wonderful bill o'brien who just totally understands value um gives up a second round pick and the corpse of david johnson Or, yeah. Yeah, that was David yeah, Johnson. David You're Johnson, right. Yep. Um, we're given up by the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins, who I know I'm probably higher on him than you, but I think he's still undoubtedly a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe you don't like his long-term prospects as much, and maybe you don't even agree with that. But either way, uh, the biggest weapon the Cardinals have had since Larry Fitzgerald was yeah, in his prime. Certainly that. I um, definitely agree there. I think you can make a lot of com- comps between Fitzgerald and Hopkins and maybe how they'll use him. But before we get ahead of ourselves, um, watching Kyler kind of early on, I saw a lot of design screens, a lot of quick throws, yep. bubbles, something that's probably pretty common in a young, inexperienced quarterback, giving them high percentage looks letting his legs scare the defense, yeah. getting a lot of space. So, um, Rush, now, were they doing that spread out, or were they more tightly compacted when they were doing that? Or kind I of a mixture of I think it was a, of, a, a combo platter. I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is a pretty interesting play caller. Um, I thought he was, you know, a little bit overrated, but having watched a lot of their film, you know, I saw some interesting play designs there. Um, one of his uh, – Early weaknesses in his turnovers, um, even though a lot of them weren't his fault, if you looked back on his fumbles and his interceptions, which I definitely wanted to make sure I watched every single one of his turnovers, 
I'd say probably 30 to 40% of them weren't his fault. Okay. Um, there were a few fumbles that were credited to him that I thought were the running back's fault. On, on read or um, read option? Yeah, one of them definitely was. It was Kenyon Drake's first game with okay. the Cardinals. Yeah, okay. And there was yeah. a, kind of a just a, a pitch to him oh, okay. that yeah. was pretty high. Um, but I think it was almost like a pitch read, if you will. Okay. And I don't think he was expecting it. Oh, so okay. it kind of just clanked off his hands, and for whatever <laughs> reason, it was credited to Kyler. But on his interceptions more specifically, what I saw is – he didn't really seem to be going through his progressions. It was okay. kind of a, just his eyes appeared to me to be on his first target the entire time and forced some kind of bad throws. But the dude's definitely got a live arm. He's got some real arm talent for a smaller guy. Like when he was thrown deep, like he had a really, really beautiful deep ball. Um, not always – you know, super accurate on his deep throws. But there was one game with uh, Christian Kirk um, where he had his three-touchdown game where I think they both really shined. Um, the deep ball was working that day. Saw a lot of uh, a lot of good things that could become better. Um, as a runner, um, I think you're definitely not going to get Lamar Jackson. Yep. You're not going to get Michael Vick. Um, but you're going to get – you know, something maybe 60% of that. He's a capable runner. Um, actually, in, in the games that they won, I think he averaged about 10 carries. And in the games oh. that he lost, they barely ran, ran him, him at, at all. all. So okay. I think they're going to look at that and maybe increase his usage as a ball carrier because it just really keeps the defense off balance once he gets it going. Didn't really see him as a special runner. Definitely has speed, but I didn't see, like, anything crazy as far as shiftiness or going to make nine guys miss. But, you know, he'll take what you give him. So well, I think there's definitely, you know, going to be a lot of points scored in that regard for the fantasy owners. Yeah, I think as you, you go back to one of your original points that you can't teach – you know, height, but you can teach size. And when I think you look at him and Russell, um, Wilson, that is, uh, Wilson's got him by about 30 pounds. Right. And I think in two, three years, can Kyler add that weight? And can he, you know, I, I look at him and I say, that's a guy that can't afford to try to make somebody miss in open space. Cause sure. if he gets it wrong and takes a hit, Oh yeah. He could be out. He's the franchise. Yeah. Right. He's the franchise. Yeah, so, and that's there. always, that's a, brings up a really good point is when you're evaluating a mobile quarterback for long-term prospects, which is what we're assuming you're doing by listening to this, you're playing dynasty mm -hmm. leagues. You don't want just to think about next year for Kyler Murray. You want to think about four or five, six years from now. Is he going to have to evolve as a player to be more of a Russell Wilson, still can move around in the pocket and dance mm -hmm. around and make guys miss in the backfield, but kind of just take off as a as-needed basis and do less designed runs? I think that's a natural evolution, and I don't see an issue with him kind of evolving in that way as a quarterback. So. Right. Well, and he's a ball player, so he should know how to slide yeah. too. Oh, absolutely. He's just got to be careful, you know, yep. not to take too many risks. Um, you know, you're the face of the franchise, like you said. you got to be smart. Um, you can't put your own health in jeopardy just to get an extra three yards. And I think, you know, 
Hopefully he understands that. And I did see him kind of give himself up when it seemed hopeless. But there were a few times where I thought he took some unnecessary risks as a runner. Okay. So hopefully that doesn't lead to injuries. But with any mobile quarterback, injuries are certainly a higher probability than your statues. So, um, but yeah, so overall, I think I basically saw about what I expected to see. Um, I was hoping to maybe learn something to have a really big strong take on him one way or the other but i still like him don't love him um but i certainly don't think less of him now and i think he's gonna be a really good player i just don't think he's gonna be a transcendent league winner this year Um, let's uh move on you did deontay johnson a guy that uh actually there was kind of some news out today that him and ben roethlisberger had kind of a little special connection going on in camp I think he was uh, targeted a bunch in practice. Take that for whatever you will. (laughs) The guy that I like, and I'm glad you uh, broke down a little bit, and I'm interested in hearing what you saw. Yeah, another one of my favorite players. Um, You know, I'll I'll be fully honest. When I evaluated him coming out of Toledo last year, um, certainly hadn't watched a ton of Toledo film. Um, But I remember on draft night when they took him, they had a uh, punt return touchdown he had um queued up and what i saw in that return was a guy who yeah he could accelerate and was explosive but uh the thing that i saw that makes him truly truly special is not his ability to accelerate or his top speed but his ability to stop he can stop from full speed and change vectors at full speed um in a really rare way. Um, he, he, he showed this again in another punt return against Arizona um, where one cut and he breaks at a 45 degree angle at, at full speed and nobody's catching him. Um, you know, he shows this well on vertical stop routes um, and, and it's especially uh, apparent when he's got the ball in his hands. Um, his favorite move is not really to try to juke a guy but it's just to get to full speed and slam on the brakes and guys usually just run right by him. Um, so that was, that was basically the biggest positive that I saw on him. Um, Pittsburgh used him in a lot of deep routes and a lot of crossers. Um, you know, I think partially because Deontay does run those routes really well, but also because it was uh, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges back there. Um, that was about all they, (laughs) old ducky. Um, that was about all they could throw. Um, go ahead. I'm sure that was a lot of fun film to watch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was just going to emphasize with you a little bit on my, uh, Kyle Allen. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. We both had to watch. God, he was, he was tough to watch Kyle (laughs) Allen. Uh, and, and yeah, and duck and Mason weren't a heck of a lot better. Um, you know, uh, another thing Deontay does really well is is on these uh, nine routes he runs, he can gain separation very, very quickly off of the line of scrimmage. Um, it's not the late separation that you kind of, you know, I, I, I don't mean this as a negative, but I sort of what I see out of James Washington. Where James Washington, it, once the ball's in the air, he runs and separates then. Deontay just run, flat out runs by people. Um, and unfortunately, with poor quarterback play, um, some of these routes where he got five yards of separation right off the line of scrimmage, uh, ball comes late, ball comes underthrown, 
Um, and the thing he really didn't do well of all the things that I saw uh, was contested catch and especially um, over the middle. Uh, he alligator armed a few, a few passes and you know what, frankly, I think as we go down the road, I don't think he's going to have to work over the middle a heck of a lot. That's sort of what Juju's there to do. Right. That's what they brought in Eric Ebron to do and Vance McDonald to do. And um, you know, Frankly, the, the player of the comp that I've heard um, is Antonio Brown. And that was one thing Antonio Brown did well. He was fearless over the middle of, of the field. And I don't want to make any, you know, I'm not a doctor, make any evaluations as to why he is where he is. But that's one thing people have brought up is that he took one too many licks to the, uh, to the head over the middle of the field. And, uh, you know. It, yeah, I think it's uh, been – pretty apparent in his behavior, but yeah like you said we don't want to make assumptions right but mental you know, health should be taken seriously and I, I think he's having some real mental health issues yeah. so hopefully he can get that figured out yep absolutely um but uh it, it doesn't appear to be an area of the field Deontay feels um super comfortable to work and you know what when I look at their weapons that's not a problem he is the most gifted outside receiver that they have um, and the comp that I'll make is, is Emmanuel Sanders because I think it's it's going a long ways to say um, somebody's going to be Antonio when, Brown. When you but, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a very good idea of what they want track in, record. in certain players. Yeah. Like they have an archetype that they're looking for mm-hmm. all over the field on their defensive line, at their wide receiver position, so on and so forth. And one position they've definitely had a pretty good eye for is the receiver. So if they draft someone – you definitely want to at least pay, attention. pay a little bit yeah. of attention. And I think they're a smart enough coaching staff if they see that Deontay Johnson is a, kind of a liability going across the middle, then they're just not going to use him that way. And, and I don't think they need – in no, fact, the, the games that I saw him in, it seemed like those were the games where Juju was out. Sure. And it's like yeah, and they're trying to get their best player the ball, and that makes sense, yeah. but – those that's Juju's area going forward, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Sometimes when you have an injury, a player's forced into yeah. a role that they probably aren't suited for. So absolutely. Um, well, so why don't you take us from my second favorite rookie wide receiver from last season to our my favorite rookie wide receiver? Yeah, we'll from say last our season. favorite. Okay, uh, AJ Brown, uh, Tennessee Titans, just a freak um, tank. I came into the film study loving him, and I came out of it like really loving him <laughs> i mean like every every time he caught the ball he basically housed it it felt yeah. like i know that's not entirely true but I, I don't know if i've ever seen a receiver quite like him before um he definitely has his flaws but like he's almost like an extremely polished running back okay with, yeah yeah like, the, the dude just doesn't go down like He's a real like maybe the most gifted uh, run after the catch guy that we have in the league already. I'm sure I may be wrong on that, but I haven't really seen a guy that can do that much after catching the ball. Like I think he averaged 20 yards a catch last year, which yeah, is insane. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, I think he, his. He was the first guy since Randy Moss to have eight touchdowns and a thousand yards on as yeah, many targets he, as he got. And we we just watched the last eight games to reiterate, right. and I think he had a five game stretch of my film study where he scored at least one touchdown yeah, every yeah. one of those games. I actually went a little deeper on AJ Brown because I watched his 
playoff targets. I was as just well. going to ask you about that because yeah, he kind of cooled off in the, the playoffs. And I don't think that was his fault. That okay. was the point I wanted to make. Is the Titans, if you remember, they really just kind of leaned on the running game yeah. in the playoffs. It was. They didn't want Tannehill to kill him. I think they liked Tannehill, but didn't fully trust him in the, in the playoff moment. in the big yeah, moment. Yeah. So they just really, really leaned on their defense and Derrick Henry. Um, they and it, they didn't really even force the ball to A.J. Brown. Um, he was, I think, almost out there more just to to keep nine men out of the box, right? so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think they almost just maybe – well, smartly they got to the AFC Championship game. Kind of almost used him more as a decoy in the playoffs. I don't know if that was because he had a little injury or if he was just kind of broken down from playing that many games when obviously a rookie has never come close to playing, what would that be, 20 games? Or not 20, probably – It'd be 21. They played the 16 season. and then three. So that was his 19th, 19th game plus game two or three preseason yeah. games. So, you know, that's a heavy workload. So I can understand why he didn't shine in the playoffs. And I think it was at least partially by design. From an alignment standpoint, where where was he lining up the better? Was he more slot or was he playing outside? Was it a I pretty think, mixed bag? I, I think mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't 100% either way, but from what I remember, I, sh- I should have made more notes on that. I seem to see him more just in two wide receiver sets, okay. you know, kind of on yeah. the outside. Yep, yep. I d- and then see, really notice the Titans using a ton of slot receivers, at least mm-hmm. on his targets. They were they were heavy in the twelve personnel and you know the yeah. running formations and playing off of that. Yeah, yeah, were, yeah. I think Tannehill actually graded out as him and Cousins graded out as two of the best play action passers yeah. last year. And when yep. you got a guy like Derrick Henry, like you're gonna you're gonna get guys to bite hard on the play action. So, Absolutely. Um, I mean, going forward, uh, I think it's gonna be interesting to see his target share. Um, Pretty limited last year for how productive he was. So add 20, 30, 40 targets. Like if you want to extrapolate the numbers, you could be looking on a monster superstar caliber season. But I do think he has a lot of things to clean up. Like his route running is, I'd say, average. Average, yeah. You know, um, something he could improve on. Um, Seems like a guy that wants to be great. So I'd, I'd like to think he's, you know, working hard on that. But like I said earlier, like you want to, just kind of focus on your strengths. Right. You don't want to go away from your strengths to be just well-rounded. I think the Titans, if they're smart, they're just going to use them the way they used them last year and hopefully a little bit more. Exactly. Because he he was just really fun to watch, and I would encourage everyone listening to at least watch a highlight video of him because he is fun. He's phenomenal. And I I think the best way to put it, and I, I I really wish I, I, I almost feel like it's Matt Harmon who I've given more credit to in this episode, but, uh, I feel like it was him last year. Maybe it was somebody else. So forgive me, but, uh, talking about DK Metcalf where people were talking about all the negatives that were, that were there. He can't run a full route tree and he's really muscle bound and can't cut. And this person said, Look, if you go to Home Depot and ask somebody for a hammer, you don't walk out of there with a screwdriver. Right. DK Metcalf is a hammer in these three areas. Why does he need to be everything? You know what I mean? And I think AJ fits that same role. Well, I think that's something that 
all of us as fantasy football players or analysts or just because we're all kind of analysts. We're thinking about this stuff all the time. We need to stop just always looking for a flaw. Right. I think it's so easy to see a flaw and just be out. Right. Like, I'm done. I yep. don't want this guy. Like, yep. And I fell, I've fallen into that a million times. Like, Same. I was really low on Metcalf I last was, year. I was too, Because you yeah. see all these flaws. You see all the limitations. Yep. But if a guy has three major flaws, but he's great at something, right. he's probably still going to be great at it in the NFL. Well, and that's probably – Depending on the, on the mixture of – pros and cons and, like, and it's still probably better than having a guy who's average yeah. in eight categories but not exemplary well, we talked about Keyshawn Vaughn earlier yeah he was a guy to me that was just average, average. at everything nothing spectacular you know yep. he didn't stand out he didn't like stand out in a bad way on really any of the metrics you would want and when I look at a guy like that at first it's like all right he could you know stumble into a bell call role because he can run, he can catch, he can block, but he's not going to be good enough at any of that to really ever be interesting. Right. Like, give me a guy like Adrian Peterson, who's great at half of what you need at a running back. Right. Really bad at the other half. Yeah, unless you're but, Christian McCaffrey, you're not getting the full yeah. load anyways. So, I mean, but you're better off being Jordan Howard and just being really good at one thing than, you know. So. Yeah, I think that kind of got a little long-winded, yeah. <laughs> but my point was, you know, don't always just look to tear a guy down on a flaw. Absolutely. Because if he's great at something, he's, you know, probably, or he should, you know, be using that skill set as much as possible. Your last guy was Kareem Hunt. Uh, very interesting player. Um, had his trials and tribulations. No kidding. Now in his second year with the <laughs> Browns, maybe not a guy you want to root for, but in fantasy football, I don't think you look at morality. I don't decisions. care. Nope. So how's Kareem Hunt going to fit into this Browns team um, after his suspension is over with? You know, you're going to get a full 16 games out of him and Chubb, hopefully. So how's that going to play out? Well, I think that's an interesting way to put it is, is how is it going to fit? And that was the thing. Uh, that I saw as the issue last year. I'm not here to uh, to pile on to Freddie Kitchens. He's oh, lost his job. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, he was terrible last year. It was really bad. Um, but, uh, you know, I, all Freddie Kitchens uh, mayhem aside, um, you could tell they wanted to get him out there, but they also recognize how good Nick Chubb is. And so they wanted to put them out there together, and they ran – you know, some silly formations where they were two backs, uh, pistol or, um, you know, very old school go near or far formation where you got Chubb as a fullback with his hand in the dirt and they're running counters and, and traps off of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I came away going, Kareem Hunt is not a gadget player. No. And if he can't be a starter there, then just let's go back to one back and give him 40% of the load, and I think he'd be just just fine. Well, and I know we already mentioned this, but, you know, we're both big Vikings fans, and their new head coach, which you haven't mentioned yet, yeah. is Kevin Stefanski, the former offensive coordinator for the Vikings. So if you want to maybe get an idea of how they plan on using these two backs, mm-hmm. you don't need to look very far past last year's Vikings team and how they used Madison and yep. Cook. Yep, and that's, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say is that, 
You know, you didn't see those guys ever on this, the field no, together. No, but they were rotating and rotating exactly. and keeping them fresh, and I don't see any reason why he'll do that any differently. Absolutely not. And so, you know, um, I, I do think, you know, a, a timeshare is in, but I'm not expecting to see the, you know, I, I looked up the stat at one point. I want to say it was 40% of the snaps last year when Hunt came back that they were both out there on the field. And they use him as a wide receiver, and he's interesting in that way. And maybe once or twice a game to get a, a, a defense off balance, give him a different look, okay. Um, but uh, what I did see from him, and, and, you know, it's kind of the calling card of Kareem Hunt for anybody who's followed him since, uh, you know, he was he was a sensation in Kansas City as a rookie, um, is his balance. And, you know, that's not news to anybody. But I think what I found interesting was that it doesn't feel like an athletic trait in the way I was viewing it before. I mean, sure, he's got a strong lower half and he's well built, low center of gravity, all that nonsense. Um, But it seems to be more of a stylistic trait. It's something that he's intentionally doing, Um, running under balance, uh, not trying to really stick his foot too hard into the ground and cut. Uh, knowing that, yeah, guys are going to get to me, but if I can have everything perfectly balanced when they do, I can just yank a leg out as they try to tackle it. Or I can sort of bounce off of them, use their momentum, and take it in a different direction. Um, So I thought that was something that was interesting. And I guess the reason that I brought it up was uh, what I didn't see that I thought I would based on that trait um, was power and ability to, to kind of push the pile. Um, you know, you see from some, you know, I tore down Leonard Fournette earlier today. Let's, let's go with him. Um, you know, he shows power at, at the tackle point to, okay, I'm wrapped up. I'm not going anywhere long, but let's just push this thing forward three, four yards. And I didn't see that in the way that I guess I expected to see it from Hunt. Um, you know, and so, uh, that was a little disappointing, but the, the, the thing that he does better, uh, than almost any back in the league is he's a, an incredible third down back. Um, you know, he's sharp route runner, um, ran a Texas route uh, for a touchdown uh, in one of the games that I watched, uh, ran a lot of really good outs. They aligned him as a wide receiver, as I said earlier. Um, and he ran a couple couple wheel routes where ball was thrown back shoulder or right above a defender's head, and he was asked to go make a play. And uh, he looks like a wide receiver, uh, five foot 11 220 pound wide receiver when he does it um and so i thought that was you know and i think that's how he's going to be used Stavansky threw the ball to cook a whole bunch last year and uh i expect kareem hunt what do you think 60 receptions seem in the range of possibilities absolutely i think that's a very fair projection so um yeah that's uh that's the uh, guys we got for you here today. Uh, as we said earlier, they're kind of just a couple of our favorite players. Um, we didn't have uh, enough season to go through, you know, kind of really deep dives into a lot of guys. So we thought we'd just kind of give you a few of our favorites, um, let you know what we saw on film. Um, and uh, before we sign off real quick, um, we're a week away from the NFL season starting. Oh, hell yeah. I know. And uh you know, hard knocks is winding down, and you know that's sad in one regard, but it means we got real football um, a week from now. And uh, with that in mind, a segment we're going to do in the uh, the the late part of the the week show um, is every week we're going to kind of before the the slate of games gets played, 
draft which games we want to watch as analysts from from an all 22 or a condensed depending upon time constraints but like i said at the beginning we'll tell you what we what we saw so you have some context there um but with that in mind why don't we you know why don't you just give us your 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 game you're most interested uh in the fantasy slate or the nfl slate or or whatever for the first week but yeah, that's going to be a really fun bit. Uh, I think we're going to rotate who gets first pick every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, figure out a system if we have a guest that's going to help us with that. You know, it, we may be getting you nine games then, but we're obviously going to watch every Vikings game. Yeah. We're going to watch the Monday night game, the Sunday night game, the three o'clock primetime game. The Island so, games. Yeah. So we're going to be watching all those games. So from a from an outside the box game that uh, is not going to be, you know, on prime time most likely. Um, I kind of really want to see Joe Burrow. Oh, all right. So I have mean, week one? it's easy to say Saints Bucks, but we're going to be watching that game anyway. Right. I mean, I do like two of the guys that I film studied this week: the Titans Broncos. That's a Monday night game, so mm-hmm. we'll be watching that. Chargers, Bengals, kind of interested in that. I want to see what the Chargers offense looks like, yeah, assuming they start Tyrod Taylor. I was just going to ask that. We haven't heard anything. I haven't heard on clarity, that front. but I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. So, and, you know, that Bengals offense is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, uh, John Ross can be healthy, probably not, but either. Either way, Joe Burrow, electric at LSU. Want to see how quickly he can transition in the NFL. So that's going to be on my short list of games to draft. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are when we're drafting these games. Um, Do we want to include the primetime games, the Vikings game, the stuff we're going to be watching already? Or are we Mm. going to try to limit the – yeah, That's I think like the games the, that not everybody's going to see. All yeah. the 17 noon games yes. that, that we're not going to have be really watching live. That was my thinking, absolutely, yeah. And and so I guess with that in mind, I, I'll pick one of those games too. I'm really torn here. I I, I want to go Philly-Washington. But oh, the old football team. Yeah, the, the old football team, yeah. yeah <laughs> the name that will not be said. Um, you know, and I guess the reason for that is, is, you know, I'm a big Goddard fan, but I also kind of want to see how this Washington offense is going to flesh out. I know they named, um, Dwayne Haskins starter this week, so we're going to get a look at him, but I'm going to go with something a little more up the beaten track and just say, I'm excited to see this Baltimore Cleveland game. Yeah. Um, something that I didn't mention in the Kareem Hunt segment, but was was obvious on tape, and they've they've addressed it. But let's see how quick it can become cohesive. Is boy, the tackle play was bad for that that Browns team last year. Um, I kind of like the the interior a little bit, frankly. Uh, Batonio, I think everybody knows, but the right guard, seventy seven. Uh, forgive me for not knowing his name. Uh, kind of impressed me too. Um, but with uh, the addition of Jack Conklin, uh, Jedrick Wills in the draft, I'm excited to see Baker Mayfield because sure. uh, before it was trendy to say Kyler Murray is going to be the next Pat Mahomes. It was quite trendy to say Baker Mayfield the next Pat Mahomes. Yeah, everyone was in- extremely high on Baker last year. I think he um, got the quarterback two yeah, in Dynasty, if he, I'm not mistaken. 
he definitely had a sophomore slump, but uh, I think there are a lot of people that see things clearly that see some positive regression, if you will, this year. Some, I mean, look at what he, you know, we already trashed Freddie Kitchens, but <laughs> I mean, Kevin Stefanski. New offense, yeah. Had just brought out probably the best season of Kirk Cousins' career. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of really smart things in that offense. I expect it to be pretty similar. It's kind of a similar you know, talent structure to what the Vikings had. He's smart enough to, you know, utilize the player's best traits. And I think Baker knows he has to be better. And I think he's, you know, a a hard enough worker to where he's going to figure it out. I think Baker's going to be just fine. And it's a guy I'd maybe try and buy low on, if you will. Yeah, I think I would. I I don't think he's probably getting undervalued in super flex, but it's certainly certainly one quarterback you can buy him for almost nothing. Yeah, one quarterback league, that can be your, you know, if you want to wait on that position, get your 12th, 13th pick. You know, I know a lot of guys like to draft backup quarterbacks, even in one QB leagues. But Baker's are, you know, one of my favorite pickups for – the leagues when you just don't go early at quarterback. Because if I'm not getting one of the top guys, I'm probably going to be one of the last guys Absolutely. to draft a starter. Yeah. And he's he's one of my targets there. Yeah, and speaking of one of the top guys, I mean, you get to watch the MVP on top of it all, and that ain't so bad either. So uh, I'll be excited for that Browns-Baltimore game. Um, I think we're going to sign off here. Um, yeah. It's been uh, it's been a great first show. I'm uh, thank you for anybody who's listening. I'm very excited for the upcoming season. And uh, well, and let's mention our uh, Twitter handles one yep. more time. I'm at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Josh is at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, mm-hmm. anything you want us to talk about. Uh, we'll interact with you on Twitter if you don't want it to be public. DM us. I'll keep my DMs open. Um, so yeah, uh, and, uh, the people at dynasty nerds have been so good to me that, uh, I feel like it's, it's, uh, important to, to mention, um, they have a, an incredible website, not, not just my articles. In fact, very little of what they've got great going on is, is got anything to do with me. Um, but, uh, join the nerd herd. Uh, they have a bunch of really cool stuff for the cup of a price of a cup of coffee. You can get uh, uh, really good rankings from some of the best uh, uh, in the business. Uh, their their dynasty film room is incredible. You can watch uh, college prospects um, um, game tape in a in a catalog view. Um, they have a lot of really really good stuff on the site, and I, I encourage you to check them out. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention, if you enjoyed this, or even if you didn't, just be mentioned, uh, go on your podcast provider, give us a like, give us a five-star rating, whatever the highest amount of stars you can give us. Maybe try and uh, break the bank and give us like 12 stars. <laughs> uh, write a positive review, if you will. If you didn't like us, just, you know, be nice and don't say it. Yeah. You know, don't give us a one-star review. <laughs> Let someone else, you know figure it out for themselves that's right yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah if you could help us get noticed if, if you enjoyed what you heard definitely try and review us rate us download us on 75 different devices because we know you have them all <laughs> yeah so grab your grandma's help, cell phone any yeah, download you, it there <laughs> any help you could give us getting noticed would be much 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 appreciated and i'll give you a lifetime membership to my cheat sheet which doesn't exist <laughs> yet but it might but it's coming it yeah. might all right Thank you so much for listening. We'll be uh, back next week uh, with NFL games on the horizon. All right. See you then. Take care.